Temple's rushing defense has been, to put it kindly, really, really bad. Will the Miami Hurricanes take advantage? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday. I'm Alex Dono, your host, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked On Canes your first listen. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. We are almost there. Game day. We've had to wait nine days because the last time Miami played was on a Thursday. We got a bye week after this one, so we better enjoy Miami versus Temple in Philadelphia, 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. And something we're going to talk a lot about is the weather and the elements potentially being a factor there. Not in a way where I think, you know, Miami's going to lose because of the weather. But, you know, first question we get, and we're opening it up to questions on this Friday episode of Locked on Canes. Make sure you hit us up on our exclusive SMS texting community through subtext. I include the link in the show description below. If you want to try it free for 14 days, $4.99 a month. After that, if you want to opt in, we give you a lot of added value on there. Uh, We get this question with Temple's rush defense ranked at 130th in the nation. Can Miami have two guys rush for 100 yards apiece? Um, Okay, Temple's rushing defense, they're not bad. They're, They're horrible. They have been to this point, obviously. You never know when you're going to get a bounce-back performance. They gave up 254 rushing yards against Rutgers. 254 rushing yards allowed. Miami, meanwhile, on offense, has had a very successful running back by committee so far. I don't know if that committee is going to be completely whole this week. I do not know if Mark Fletcher is back. Would not surprise me if Fletcher is held out maybe as a precaution before the bye week and then before ACC play. Don't take any chances. Even without Mark Fletcher, I think Miami has more than enough because you know who, honestly, I believe has earned more carries and even more playing time in that committee? Don Chaney Jr. He is now hitting midseason form or 2020 form because that was, you know, the last time he wasn't injured and he's healthy now. Cheney, I thought, looked the best out of Miami's committee against Bethune-Cookman for what that's worth. But he was running hard. He had that one drive where it was literally the Don Cheney drive. Four carries, 55 yards and a touchdown. There were no passing plays on that drive. That was all Cheney. Uh, He's got the moves. He's got the vision. He runs through tackles. He's got the toughness. Uh, You know, it's been kind of like a flavor of the week thing, because one week we might say, oh, Henry Parrish had it today, or A.J. Allen was the guy, or Fletcher Cheney was the guy who I thought really stepped up last week. And I'm not necessarily saying he's going to start, because I think Henry Parrish will still be the starter, and and deservedly so, because he's been really good. But I think Cheney has probably earned a little bit more work this week. A.J. Allen scored two touchdowns against Bethune-Cookman last week. So uh, I think Miami's running back committee should have more than enough because the offensive line, especially Big Coop, Inez Cooper, 
and Matt Lee as well, and Javion, help all of them, they love getting downfield and blocking for those runners. Um, you know, and as Cooper is a mauler, you get this guy downfield, he's dragging bodies with him, he's knocking you on your butt. So, yeah, uh, I think Miami is going to have success with the running. Will they have two guys over 100 yards? I think they might. Would not surprise me if some combination of Henry Parrish, Don Chaney, and A.J. Allen, if two of those guys eclipse the century mark in this game, okay? So uh, I would lean to yes. I would lean to yes, all right? Uh, we get a question from Salty Warrior, who's in Philly. He says, hey, uh, maybe a discussion on what Miami's offense might look like in pouring rain with some projected wind gust 50 forecasted, talking lightning also. Okay, well, the, the lightning part, that's what concerns me because, you know, I, I like to see games start on time and then end on time. If, if we're talking about lightning in Philly tomorrow, that could, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, but that could cause some delays during or, or before the game. Nobody wants that. Like a 3.30 game, we want it to start at 3.30, end by about 7 o'clock. Uh, so the lightning is a whole other thing. They don't play through lightning. As far as the wind gusts and the rain, folks – those are the reasons why, even though I am predicting Miami to win and to win comfortably, I think if the projected weather plays out the way it's supposed to with wind gusts between 20 to 50 miles per hour and not just rain, but heavy rain expected during the game time, I just think it's going to be a lower scoring game, right? If 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 all things were like relatively normal sunny skies, I'd probably be thinking Miami scores in the high 30s or low 40s. Uh, but because of the weather expected, if this turns into like a mud fest type of thing, um, I'm predicting Miami to probably score in the 20s and uh, Temple to score in the single digits. So uh, I think you're going to have, you know, let's just say this. If the field conditions aren't great there at the link. You're going to have some situations uh, in the past. I think Tyler Van Dyke is still going to complete some passes and have a good, efficient day. But you could be potentially looking at maybe more drops than you would normally have. And the big thing is, with a team like Miami that thrives so much with yards after the catch, if the field is muddy and wet, you're going to have some first downs that go for 10, 12 yards that maybe had the field conditions been pristine would have been 30 or 40 yard gains with the yards after the catch, right? I'm talking about Yak Daddy, Xavier Restrepo. If the field is bad, Restrepo may not be able to, you know, make as many moves in space after the catch as he would normally. I think that's so. So if I'm looking at rainy, potentially muddy conditions, limiting some of the yak and maybe a few more drops and maybe, you know, a fumble on either side that you wouldn't normally expect, I just think it's going to be a lower scoring game because of those elements. And yeah, if you've got crazy wind gusts salty, that could definitely affect the field goal kicking game as well. So I think Miami still wins and still wins comfortably because with the Hurricanes offensive and defensive lines, they are built for the muck. I think Miami is still going to win the game comfortably. And I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking the weather is somehow going to be an advantage for Temple, uh, but it, you know, it might keep the game a little bit more low scoring than it would otherwise. But I still think Miami's going to hit plays in the passing game, even in the weather. It's just, you know, the yards after catch are going to be a little bit harder to come by than they would be under normal conditions. That is what I'm looking at. Okay. Got a great question I want to answer on the other side about what is missing 
in Miami football recruiting in order to bring this team to a national championship level. All right, because obviously I believe Miami is on the way back. I think it's a long road back. Uh, I think Cristobal's got this team on the right track. But is there any missing piece in terms of uh, bringing this team to those elite levels? We will get to that and so much more. As we like to say, we are only getting started right here on Locked on Canes. And if you're a small business owner, it's time to get started at LinkedIn Jobs because these days, Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We are also brought to you by DoorDash. I am so happy to have DoorDash on board. Guys, are you missing the syrup for your pancakes? I'm talking to you, Samson Okunlola. Or did you just run out of your favorite coffee creamer? With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. It is a beautiful thing. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order uh, up to $20 value when you use code locked on college at checkout, limited offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code locked on college. Don't forget that's code locked on college for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. How good is that? Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, we get a question from Leeds, our guy Michael Leeds, who says, hey, what is the key element needed in terms of recruiting for this Miami program that will bring us back to national prominence? Uh, the Hurricanes are doing really good right now in a lot of areas, right? I mean, I, I do, you know, I think probably in 2024 we'll see things pick up even more again with offensive line which they mastered in 2023 they got some good prospects uh in 2024 but 24 and 25 i think we're going to see things pick up but offensive line recruiting has been really good wide receiver recruiting has been picking up running back recruiting has been awesome 2023 and the 2024 cycle as well uh you know the hurricanes um could probably stand to get a little bit more, uh, more kind of, you know, deep um, four and five star types uh, in the defensive secondary. Um, but the big thing for me, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting to this. I think what is separating Miami with, you know, the likes of the Georgias and, you know, I know Alabama's not having the best start to their season, but they've still been recruiting really, really well. What's separating Miami recruiting from some of the big time hitters in college football is 
we haven't been stacking the four and five star interior defensive linemen. So that that's something that's got to pick up. You know, uh, Artavius Jones, I love high level four star guy. Dalen Russell, I think is very underrated. And over the next couple of weeks, we're all going to be looking at what happens with Aiden Breland. You know, he's got Miami in his top three. Is he going to end up being a cane? Is Miami going to be able to land LJ McCray, who's very highly sought after out there? He's a high-level four-star, borderline five-star guy. Are you going to be able to flip anybody like David Stone? I know that there have been some, I don't even know if it's about Stone specifically, but there's been some rumors out there that Miami's working on a flip of one of their, you know, very high caliber defensive line targets that they missed out on initially. So we'll see how it plays out. But I, I think that that's the big thing because, you know, over the last decade plus Miami tends to only land like one five-star defensive tackle every three or four years when schools like Georgia land two or three of those guys per year in Texas A&M I know Texas A&M has their own their own <coughs> their own issues excuse wow talking way too much this week you know texas a&m has had their own issues but defensive line recruiting has not been one of those so i, I think that's the big thing leads i think once miami can start stacking uh more elite level interior defensive linemen i think that that's gonna that's gonna really help bring them back to national prominence get a question from our guy a mary kane who asks hey dono with saturday's game against temple being the last before the bye how critical is it that we have these two weeks no injuries, hopefully, to get back healthy before ACC play. He also wants to know, how do you think Coach is going to keep these players dialed in and focused, ready to go against Georgia Tech coming out of the bye week, and then with North Carolina and Clemson just ahead? Um, first of all, absolutely critical um, having the bye week before your ACC opener. We've had a lot of guys who are banged up, right? And I'm I'm not exactly sure the status of some of the defensive linemen. I don't know the prognosis or diagnosis on Branson Dean and on Akeem Mesidor. You've had varying rumors as to how severe or not severe those things might be. Uh, you know, Nigel Lee Kelly has been playing banged up. Mark Fletcher has been banged up. Um, Elijah Arroyo is yet to debut this season. So that extra week is priceless. Like it is absolutely priceless to have that extra week uh, to get some of these bodies healthy. And I know Miami is going to use that and take advantage of that to the fullest. Uh, as far as like you ask if Georgia Tech could be, you know, kind of a, a look ahead game before what is it, North Carolina and Clemson right after that. Um, Mario Cristobal, I think, does as good of a job as a coach can possibly do in not allowing himself or his players to look beyond the next opponent. Right. That's what you have analysts on the staff for. And I don't think anyone in the country has maybe Saban, but, you know, not too many coaches around the country have more analysts on their staff than Mario Cristobal. So the analysts are doing a lot of that kind of advanced preparation and advanced scouting. Uh, but Cristobal, he makes sure these guys treat every week, whether whether you're playing Bethune Cookman or Texas A&M, every week is a one game schedule, right? It's, it's, it's an entire season is the way that they look at it. So, um, and I also think, as we talked about with Don Solinger a couple days ago, I, I do think the team leadership on Miami is improving. You know, I think Tyler Van Dyke has become more uh, of a leader and, you know, guys like Matt Lee and Kiko Maui Noah, who you brought in through the transfer portal are bringing a lot of 
leadership and Javion Cohen has the perspective of, you know, having been part of a, of a great team at Alabama. I, I, I think the attitude's going to be on point, and I don't think Miami's going to look ahead past Georgia Tech, especially coming out of the bye week. I mean, if that if the Georgia Tech game was like sandwiched, like right between two tough games, I think it'd be easier to look ahead. But I'm not worried about a look ahead one bit in that regard. Get a question from War Beast, who says, "Thus far, the Canes' offense has demonstrated versatility to flow like water." I love it, Bruce Lee. And then he says, uh, and take what the defense gives them to great success. Has the Canes defense been tested sufficiently to this point to be able to say the same thing? Do you have any concerns with Miami's defense to make in stride micro changes to mitigate Temple's solid passing and improving running games? Thanks. Um, yeah, obviously, I think the, uh, the, the best test for Miami's defense so far goes without saying was Texas A&M. You know, you were going up against one of the most vaunted trios or even quartets of receivers because Moose Muhammad didn't get talked about enough. And that guy's also really good. And everyone was what these guys are too fast and they're too big. Miami can't match up with them. Um, Miami's defensive backs have been an absolute revelation to this point. I knew Jaden Davis was a good player, had no idea he was an elite cover corner because that's what he's been so far. Daryl Porter is having an awesome year. James Williams looks like a new man out there so far, right? He has struggled with consistency in the past, so you have to hope James can keep playing the way he has been playing. Now, you've got arguably the best safety in the country on your roster, number five, Cam Kinchins. I don't know if Cam's going to be back this week. Uh, just if, if My hunch is maybe they hold him out another week just to make sure everything's good. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Jaden Harris, I think, is capable of stepping up the way that he did last time out. Um, and then, you know, the big thing is, you know, you talk about uh, I know your question, War Beast, was about being able to to adapt to different situations. It's so much easier to adapt if you've got a pass rush and Miami has a pass rush. Now, on the one hand. E.J. Warner, starting quarterback of Temple, son of Kurt, son of the Pro Football Hall of Famer. He's got one of the quickest releases in the country. 2.3 seconds, football is out of his hands. Not easy to sack for that reason. But it's not like when he releases it, great things are happening. 52.5% completion so far this year. That's not a good number. Like EJ Warner is not having a good year. He had a good year last year, not having a good season so far. Uh, this year and Miami's going to be putting constant pressure on him even if they don't set like the same way Miami didn't technically sack Connor Wigman two weeks ago but they had him running for his life having to make difficult decisions the entire game and I think that's going to be a similar thing here I think they're going to have Warner flushed out of the pocket having to make a lot of rushed throws and I think the big test and we'll, we'll see if Temple's running game is the one that you know can actually really test this is you know, Miami has not always been consistent going up against opposing running games and setting the edge. They've had some lapses, right? Statistically, their running defense has been really good, but they have had some lapses so far this year. So I, I think that that that's the next big thing they're probably going to have to adjust to. But, you know, I, I, I don't see why well, I trust Lance Gidry calling the plays. I trust the game planning and preparation that goes in. The tackling has been a lot better. And by the way, speaking of tackling, Miami's tackling has been really good. Temple, they missed 10 tackles a game. Woof. 
So I talked about Temple's rushing defense, how they're they're 130th in the nation. They gave up 254 on the ground against Rutgers. They miss an average of 10 tackles per game. You, you think that's going to be even easier in the rain and the mud to bring people to the ground? God, I hope Miami can take advantage of that. I hope they can. Uh, now, as far as uh, Miami's defensive backs, you are going up against a pretty good receiver in this one. Dante Wright, he transferred from Colorado State. Um, he, so far this year, has caught 16 balls, 185 yards, and a touchdown. They got a slot receiver, Ahmad Anderson. So Takori Couch is going to see him quite a bit. 11 balls caught for 180 yards so far. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Miami's DBs could be tested a little bit by Temple, but the pass rush, pass rush is the key to unlocking everything. All right, more of your questions on the other side. Uh, oh, good question about if Miami's ever going to have a number, like a true number one running back emerge, or if it's going to continue to be running back by committee. The rest of the way, people want to know if there are updates on injuries. People want to know if... Uh, Colorado being the Kardashian team is that uh, is that making Miami fly even more under the radar we will get to all of that and more right here on locked on canes oh my goodness folks it's Friday that means it is almost game day in college football a couple days away from an NFL Sunday it is FanDuel time we're having so much fun on FanDuel right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So snap in to the football weekend and snap into NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, when you place that $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. Miami Hurricanes, by the way, favored by 23 and a half. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, available free on YouTube. And for the everydayers, I hope you join us a little bit later today. I mean, depending on what time you listen to this, may have already happened, but 11 a.m. live, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. today and every Friday on this YouTube channel, Locked on Canes, and on all the college Locked on YouTube channels, we've got college football kickoff live right here on the Locked on Network. I'm a part of that show. I was on vacation last week. I'm back on the panel this week, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., talking about all the biggest storylines, the biggest games coming up this week, Heisman hopefuls, rankings, uh, game previews, all that good stuff, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. live right here on this YouTube channel and on every Locked On College YouTube channel streaming live. So please join us for that. All right, let's see. We got a question from... Senor Queso, who says, when do you think we'll see Jakari Brown have some snaps? Or do you think they're just going to wait for one of the bigger name games? And if they're waiting for a bigger game, wouldn't it make sense to have him involved in some of the lesser stressful games to get his feet wet? Um, he also asked another question. Given the weather that expected Saturday, do you think they hold out Fletcher even if he's ready? Um, see, I... I think they might just hold him out just because that, uh, you know, they want to make sure he's good. I don't think 
I, I think whatever he's dealing with, I think is upper body, not lower body. So I don't know, like, you know, if somebody's got like an ankle or a knee, then the wet conditions are like, oh, let's not risk any. I, I don't know if that's why they would keep Fletcher out. Maybe he plays. I've been wrong before. Mario keeps injuries very, you know, close to the vest. All right. But I, I think they might just hold him out because as far as the first part of your question with Jakari, um, okay. On the one hand, Emery Williams has looked so good. You can say he might just have flat out earned the backup job, maybe, because he's looked really poised so far. Limited reps, obviously. A few reps against Miami, Ohio. Um, basically played, yeah, he did play the entire second half against Bethune Cookman, and he went nine for 11 in that game. But then at the same time, um, with knowing that the plan seems to be to try to redshirt both guys. But the bigger priority, just based on what Shannon Dawson said this week, I think the bigger priority is to make sure you don't burn Jakari's red shirt because they burned it last year in his first year. They really want to preserve him this year. Um, you know, they can still they can use him in up to four games this year. Uh, I, I think they're probably waiting for the higher pressure situations. You know, thankfully, they didn't need him against Texas A&M because Miami, from the end of the first half on, they were playing downhill. They were leading for most of that game. So you didn't need to get, and Tyler Van Dyke was playing so darn well. You didn't need to get, you know, as creative with the offense. But, you know, when you have the Clemsons and the Florida States and the North Carolinas, you know, some of your more difficult conference games coming up, right? Um, I think you're going to see some opportunities where if you do have a Jakari package, you might use him or, you know, if, if God forbid, if anything were to happen to Tyler Van Dyke, I don't know, maybe Jakari's the guy you might, you might, cause he's got the extra year of experience. You might trust him more as a backup in those pressure situations. So I think that's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, we get a question from Kane across the alley who says, is the assumption on injuries that all these guys that have been out since the AM game will be back by Georgia Tech and he expected back for this week? Um, again, um, we're going to know an hour before the game warmups. We're going to have an idea who's out there and who's not. This isn't like the NFL where you have to put out like a, you know, an accurate detailed injury report. You don't have to in college. And Mario Cristobal, which is it's totally fine because you don't want to give your opponents an advantage in preparation. And, you know, you don't want to violate anyone's medical privacy. He keeps injuries very close to the vest. So we're not we're not going to know. Right. You talk about players that have been trending positively like Mark Fletcher and Elijah Arroyo. Were you to see these guys this week? I don't know, man, because at times in the past we've thought, hey, Arroyo will probably play today. And to this point, he hasn't. So. I don't even want to speculate. We get a question from David T who says at any point this season, will we see a true number one running back that gets significantly more carries than anyone else? Um, maybe when you face more adversity, right? I mean, the hurricanes have been basically leading for like, you know, uh, 10, and a half of the 12 quarters or 10 and a couple minutes of the 12 quarters they've played so far, you know, um, obviously they get the guy who they seem to trust the most, at least to start games in the backfield is Henry Parrish. If you're in some closer games playing from behind, are you going to rely on him a little bit more? Maybe, but at the same time, 
you've got three or four running backs right now that are playing at a pretty equal level. And also Chris Johnson, I think is going to earn more playing time in the future. So you've got, you know, four, maybe even five running backs that have all earned some time. Fresh legs are a good luxury to have. Fresh legs late in games are really, really good luxury to have. Uh, we get a question from the uh, the three three four who says, "Do you think Miami is flying under the radar? You think Miami would be flying under the radar if Colorado wasn't doing so well? And do you like uh, it this way, or do you prefer having the attention of college football?" Um, you know, honestly, I I can go either way on that. Um, I I like flying under the radar because I think it's a little bit less pressure and more motivation for Miami's players, right? Because these guys like to have the chip on the shoulder, us against the world mentality. At the same time, getting national attention is really good for recruiting, right? I mean, you think what's happening? I mean, like I, I watch um, Undisputed the other day. I, I watch First Take a lot and, uh, you know, and Get Up on ESPN. It's like they talk as much about Deion Sanders in Colorado as they do anything in the NFL like that's it's such a hot button topic and you can't tell me that's not great for Colorado's recruiting I mean you know they're three and oh uh you know they they had to really labor to beat a bad Colorado State team but they also have a quality win against TCU and you know a good win against uh I mean I guess a good win against Nebraska so that team's rolling right now but the attention like that attention's got to be good for recruiting so I wouldn't mind getting some of that right now, if Colorado wasn't off to a 3-0 and start, would their lack of attention be projected onto Miami instead? I'm not sure about that. I think uh, I think Miami, they, they, they've got to earn more of that buzz. And they, they do things you know a lot more quietly than Prime and Colorado do. So I don't know if that buzz would be transferred to Miami if it wasn't on Colorado. All right, guys, we will have Locked On College Football kickoff live uh, at 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So make sure you tune into that on this channel today. And I will have another pregame episode tomorrow. So we have a lot more coming up this weekend on Locked on Canes. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.